interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. Destroy the world and everything inside of it. Hey, it's Coolio, if you don't know, and welcome to yet another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM in lovely downtown Halifax. Nice sunny day, not too cold out, but we shall get to the weather in about half an hour's time. For now, let us start the things the way that the things usually start by looking at what is new over at lowbiasgaming.net and it's pretty much the Jason show right now. He has brought us uh, six new episodes of um, his series for Vagrant Story and that's pretty much it. I still have a bunch of stuff that I need to put uh, on the site so uh, that should be coming uh, in the coming days but um, got some stuff to do in real life and that's gotta come first you know. Anyway, um, of course the 365 days of the um, Super Nintendo is still going strong with the latest episode for today's Super Soccer, um, Super Soccer Champ, there we go. Um, so I, I guess he's doing all of the sports games first so he can kind of just get them done. Um, and well there you go, if he has, he, if he has a method to his madness then he can do whatever he wants. Also, um, we have a couple of uh, episodes uh, reposted to the site of Mystery Science Theater, including Joel's last episode, Mitchell, um, and uh, a new soundtrack for Settlers 2. So that is what's going on over there. Um, so yeah, I think that's about all I need to cover before we get things are properly started, so let's just do that. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Uh, that song was by Akito Nakatsuka, and it is the palace theme of today's game from the archives. There are six palaces hidden in Hyrule. Link must gain experience by fighting Ganon's underlings and get information while visiting towns here and there. And after defeating the Guardians at the Palaces of Death Valley, he must obtain the Triforce of Courage. That is Link's mission. Ah. (laughs) Anyway, that is Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link, which is an action RPG game for the Nintendo Entertainment System, developed and published by Nintendo and released in 1988. Um kind of a mixed reaction for this game. Some people like it, some people don't. I kind of like it. I didn't uh, back in the day, but um, it grew on me a little bit. It's a different style, that is for sure. And uh, if you can see through it, I think you'll have a good time. And there are two people on the site that have had a good time. Uh, Jade has played it, and then Jason played it later on. Each of them have eight videos to offer, and um, yeah. Speaking of good times, either of those might be a good time to watch.
And that was, and I could be reading this wrong because my Japanese isn't the best, but I think that was Mikuru Saina um, with Scaffold Chiptune Mix. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And speaking of weird, it is time for the news of the weird. And as previously mentioned, I am looking for something, yes, I'm still looking for something that uh, is similar to News of the Weird, that same digest format, but is from a different source. So if you have any um, leads on that, please let me know. Uh, over on Twitter at SquareSim, S-Y-M. Also, I do not read these stories ahead of time, and some of these may not jive well with all audiences. This segment is about uh, 13 to 15 minutes long or so, so take that as you will. Our elite story, and wait for it, awesome. Yes, we are leading with awesome this time. Zen TV painter Bob Ross has been gone for 24 years, but his inspiration lives on at least in Madison Middle School in Abilene, Texas, where on February 7th, students in Brady Sloan's art class donated uh, Don Rather, rather uh, curly brown wigs, blue shirts, and paint palettes for a Flash Bob Flash Mob. Sloan's pre-advanced placement studies were stressed about grades and projects, and she wanted to find a way to reward them, she told the Abilene News Reporter, or Reporter News, rather. These students used mad, uh, music stands as makeshift easels where they painted happy little trees and projected an episode of the, the joy of painting as parents memorialized the special day with photos and videos. Bob Ross's legacy lives on, apparently. And it's, it's always nice. I mean, he even has... He even has a stream on Twitch. 24-hour stream, Bob Ross, all the time. So, if that if that's not saying something, I don't know what is. Our next story, Hangry. Uh, Asseline Branch, 29... Yes, that, that's the name? Asseline Branch, okay. Uh, 29 was only defending her spot in a McDonald's drive through lane on February 18th when she stabbed another woman in the head. Well, that took a turn. Fox News reported that Branch and the other woman were waiting at a Memphis restaurant when a physical fight broke out over their places in the line. Branch took out a knife and assaulted the alleged victim, resulting in injuries that were not life-threatening. Branch was tracked down by police and charged with aggravated assault. I'm guessing that the knife probably... Well, stop... I, I guess that if I'm overanalyzing this, I realize that and I should probably just keep on walking to the foreign press. Uh, Valentine's Day is complicated in Japan. On February 14th, women traditionally give men chocolates, uh, giri choco or obligation chocolates to their male colleagues and honmei choco or true feelings chocolate to their boyfriends or husbands. Men return the favor on White Day, March 14th. But according to Japan Today, Japanese women are rebelling against Giri Choco, 
40% of workers see the custom as a form of power harassment, and some companies have banned the practice. Women uh, find giving chocolates to associates stressful. Before the office ban, we had to worry about things like how much is appropriate to spend on each chocolate and where we draw the line in who we give the chocolates to, said one worker. I mean, I can understand the whole... See, I, I do th I do think that the um, homemade choco, the true feelings one, that's kind of cute. As long as it's going both ways, that's cute. But the obligation chocolates? What the hell is that? That's... Because Japan, I guess. I don't know. That's just strange to me, and um, I'm glad to see it go. Uh, people different from us. Looking for a new home? A newly listed suburban Philadelphia home offers something a little sideways from your typical basement rumpus room. The five-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath brick colonial in Maple Glen has three fireplaces, a gourmet kitchen, and a sex basement. The <laughs> yes. The finished lower level includes a bed in a cage complete with straps, whips, and other accoutrement for any buyer's Fifty Shades of Grey fantasies. Realtor Melissa Leonard stresses, however, that the basement, quote, can be converted back to a typical suburban basement. Neighbors are shocked to find out what's been going on in their hood, but, quote, I know it's a way of life for people, Leonard told Slate Magazine. Sure is. You do you, and as long as you're not bothering anyone else, I suppose that's fine. As long as everyone consents to it, of course. Our next story, government in action. You think things are wild in the U.S. Congress? Congress? In Albania, Edi Paloka an opposition lawmaker, was asked to leave the Parliament Hall on February 14th and suspended for 10 days after throwing ink at Socialist Prime Minister Edi Rama. It all started with when uh, Rama scolded a fellow lawmaker for making accusations of corruption against the leftist government, according to Xinhua. A statement from the center-right Democratic Party explained, The action of ink throwing is a rejection of the bullying exerted by the PM, which is witnessed by the public opinion. Apparently, Rama had repeatedly mocked Paloka during previous sessions of Parliament. Well, some countries have mudslinging, some countries have ink-throwing, and some countries take it a little more literally, I suppose. Our next story, the Weirdo American Community. A dispute over a box of Cheez-Its okay, provoked a DeKalb County, Georgia man to do the unthinkable on February 12th. Oh boy. As Jeremy Lamar Wyatt, 32, his brother and 61-year-old mother argued over the salty snacks, Wyatt went outside, locked his family inside the home, poured gasoline on the front steps, and started a fire, according to WGCL-TV. Wyatt's brother was able to lower the mother down from a second-story window, and both escaped without injury. Wyatt, who had reportedly been enjoying some adult beverages with his Cheez-Its, was taken into custody at the scene and charged with arson and criminal damage to property. Never has Cheez-It meant such, uh, been such an apt statement when referring to the snack product. News that sounds like a joke, which is 
honestly, a lot of this. At Tosin University in Maryland, an unidentified woman was reported wandering around campus just before Valentine's Day showing coeds a photo of her son and asking if they'd like to go on a date with him. Awkward. Actually says that. The woman, thought to be in her 50s, uh, staked out the Cook Library and the Center of uh, and the Center for the Arts in hopes of securing my goodness, in hopes of securing a love connection for her son, reported the Baltimore Sun. Tosin police are hoping to identify her, not so they can arrest her, but to ask her to stop. I mean, I guess she's not really doing anything illegal, but that is super creepy. Um, I know I'm single, and I wouldn't want someone else to go around with my picture and go out with this person. No, that's not how it works. Our least competent criminal, uh, two of them actually, our least competent criminals for the week. First one, the moral of the story, if you're going to rob a bank in February, target Florida or Texas. Jason McEnroe, 37, was making his getaway after robbing the Bangor Savings Bank in Waterville, Maine on February 12th. He scrambled across four lanes of traffic and into a restaurant parking lot where he slipped on the ice and sprawled on the ground right in front of Maine State Police Special Agent Glenn Lang, who was sitting in his parked car. Lang didn't know the bank had been robbed, but he became suspicious when, quote, the money and the gun he had stashed in his jacket pocket spilled onto the parking lot, Police Chief Joseph Massey told the Morning Sentinel. The weapon turned out to be a BB gun. Lang ta uh, tackled McEnroe and took him into custody as police were responding at the bank. McEnroe was charged with robbery and terrorizing. Well, on the plus side, at least they were, um... At, at least no one was in, like, serious danger, although I guess he could have put an eye out with that gun, so... Not the best thing to face. Anyway, also burn on Florida or Texas. Is this the next story about either one? No, it's about Tennessee. Uh, anyway. On January 31st, Julian R. Mitchell, 20, tried to use a debit card from a wallet he had stolen at a Nashville, Tennessee bar, according to WZTV. But a fraud alert tipped off bar employees that the card had been lost or stolen, so they asked for photo ID. Mitchell fished out the Tennessee driver's license from the wallet, which according to the Davidson County arrest affidavit made it plainly obvious that the photo was not of him because of the difference in height. Mitchell, who strangely resembles a Ken doll, really, with blonde hair, a red beard, and black eyebrows, I don't think Ken has a red beard, but okay, was charged with identity theft. Officers found several other cards belonging to the same victim in the wallet. Hmm. I mean, I, I do believe Ken has blonde hair, but I don't think he has any of that other stuff. But I could be wrong. Anyway, let's move on to the continuing crisis. Passengers on a 12-hour uh, Air France flight on February 18th became alarmed when a man seated in the bulkhead row boarded the plane, then removed his pants and socks, settling into a seat in just his boxers and a t-shirt. 
Sitting across the aisle from him, passenger Lizzie Thompson took photos and posted on Twitter throughout the flight, reported The Sun. Alerted the flight attendant, uh, he off... Oh, uh, this is a quote. Alerted the flight attendant. He offered to move me, but just shrugged when I suggest he asked the man to put his pants back on, she wrote. Thompson also wrote that six hours into the flight from Paris to Los Angeles, the scantily clad passenger got cold, so put on his puffy jacket. The man put his pants and socks back on after landing, much to Thompson's relief. Nothing bonds a group of passengers like a man half-naked in your section, Thompson wrote. So... I mean, I guess at least it was boxers, it wasn't briefs that would have really made things awkward, but still, that's weird, dude. Please don't do that. Our next story and last story for the day, the meth made me do it. Oh boy. In Seattle, Douglas Braden Smizer, 21, boarded a plane on February 13th, a lot of plane stories today, on his way to Los Angeles in a drug rehab center in Malibu, but his behavior during the flight finally caused the pilot to land in Portland and have him removed from the plane. Smizer, from Bonnie Lake, Washington, would not stay in his seat, tried to sit in first class, and threw his backpack in the aisle. Passengers helped him help contain him until the plane could land safely. Smizer admitted later that he had eaten meth before boarding, which made him quote suspicious, suspicious and paranoid. Uh, reported Cairo TV. He also claimed to have a gun. He was charged with second-degree dis disorderly conduct and menacing, along with a federal charge of interference with a flight crew. And he's probably on the no-fly list too, especially since they really cracked down about having no-fly list. Um, I guess your dreams for Malibu are gonna have to, to happen by boat. Alright, so that is our news of the weird. Let's take a look at the weather and we actually have a special weather statement in effect. Another round of snow followed by ice pellets and rain is expected on late Sunday and Sunday night before ending on Monday. Oh boy. I'm, I've said oh boy a lot during this segment. A low pressure system will approach from the west on Sunday then track across southern New Brunswick Sunday, uh, Sunday night before moving into the Gulf of St. Lawrence Monday morning. Snow will start over western areas of the province Sunday afternoon then spread eastward reaching Cape Breton by Sunday evening. The snow will change through ice pellets to rain Sunday night over mainland Nova Scotia and over Cape Breton Monday morning. Precipitation will change to flurries on Monday. It is too early to, to forecast exact snowfall amounts. However, it is likely that significant snowfall will occur over northern and eastern areas of the province before the changeover. All areas will have a period of reduced visibilities in snow and blowing snow over exposed areas before the changeover. So there, that is and there you go. Currently it is minus 4 degrees and mainly sunny in Halifax with a wind chill of minus 11. Uh, looking at a low of minus 13 tonight and a few clouds in the sky. So that's uh, probably going to be a wind chill of as low as minus 16. Perhaps even lower, we don't know. 
Um, Saturday, uh, February 23rd, mainly sunny and a high of minus 2, going down to a low of minus 12 and a few clouds at night. Sunday, February 24th, as mentioned, periods of snow during the day and a, a high of minus 2, going up to a low of 0 and snow and rain overnight. Monday, February 25th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of uh, plus 3, going down to a low of minus 10 and cloudy periods at night. Tuesday, February 26th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of minus 7, going down to a low of minus 13 and cloudy periods at night. Wednesday, February 27th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of uh, plus, uh, sorry, minus 6, going down to a low of minus 12 degrees and 30% chance of flurries at night. And Thursday, February 28th, just to keep the, the trend going, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of minus 5 degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and let's get some more music going.
And that was D3 Rec. So Derek with a three instead of a first E with Hidden Pals from his album Adventure Time. And you are listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky, and it is time for gaming next month, and it's really weird to say that because it's the 22nd, but it is actually the last Friday of the month. Uh, believe it or not, it is, so um, here is going through all the game releases that are coming out in March of 2019. Uh, starting with one release for March 1st, which is going to be Dead or Alive 6 for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Left Alive is coming out for PS4 and PC on March 5th. March 7th, one new release is Total War Three Kingdoms for the PC. Uh, we are seeing two new games on March 8th, Devil May Cry 5 for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC, as well as Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn for the 3DS. You guys probably know my reaction about that. It's like, Kirby, yeah, it's a remake, so. Ah. Uh, March 12th, we are going to see the Caligula Effect Overdose for the PS4, Switch, and PC. We have Division 2 coming out on PS4, Xbox One, and PC on March 15th, as well as One Piece World Seeker. Uh, March 19th, we're looking at American Ninja Warrior Challenge, because of course there needs to be a game about that uh, for the PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, but not the PC. Uh, March 20th, uh, we are seeing Chocobo Mystery Dungeon Everybody. Uh, Buddy B-U-D-D-Y for the PS4 and Switch. Yeah, I might pick that one up, actually. Uh, the Sinking City is coming out for PS4, Xbox One, and PC on March 21st. The very next day, we have Sekiro Shadows Die Twice for the same systems. March 26, 1, 2, 3, 4 releases including The Princess Sky for the PS4 and Switch. Danganronpa Trilogy for the PS4. I'm guessing that's uh, 1, 2, and Ultra Despair Girls? Or maybe V3? I'm not really sure. The Walking Dead Final Season, Episode 4 for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, and Final Fantasy VII, the much-lauded release for the Switch, is also coming to Xbox One on March 26th. Uh, March 29th, we're seeing three new releases to round off our list, including Yoshi's Crafted World, because everything has to be arts and crafts now, that's for the Switch. Uh, Tropico 6 for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC, and Assassin's 3... Uh, Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered slash Liberation Remastered. That's a mouthful. And that's for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. So those are your releases as of today for March 2019. Of course, some of, the, some of um, these might get delays. Some new games might be added to the list. Uh, the best way to check is to go to GameInformer.com and um, look up 2019 releases as this list does get updated on a regular basis. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax and it is time for a little bit more music.
That was Ground Zero, X-A-E-R-O, with uh, Mega Man 2 Crash Man theme cover. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU, 88.1 FM Halifax. And today I want to talk about a game. In fact, I want to talk about three games. And these are games that have come out... uh, fairly recently-ish, well, especially considering the date that they, um, considering how old that the consoles, um, they are, uh, present on are. Anyway, yeah, people are still making games for old consoles. It's kind of amazing, actually, and I've found three examples of such games that I will share with you today. Gunlord is a run-and-gun platformer for the Neo Geo and Dreamcast, developed and published by NG Dev Team and released in 2012. A follow-up to their previous game Last Hope, Gordian Gaiden, armed with his Gunlord equipment, must rescue his wife Vanessa after she failed to return from her mission excuse me, to destroy the evil empire and being, declare, uh, being declared missing in action. Furthermore, a planet lord who calls himself the Master, probably not related to any Doctor Who characters, launches his own plot to enslave the galaxy by stealing everyone's souls. This game is basically a take on the classic arcade-style platform, which was particularly ubiquitous in the 90s. 90s. On one hand, much of the gameplay is all about negotiating the terrain while dealing with enemy onslaughts with your myriad guns. However, the, where they do have a start and end point, each of the nine levels is also fairly expansive, thus encouraging explanation, uh, exploration. Eurogamer gave this game 8 out of 10, describing it as a game that feels like it was designed 15 years ago and pointing out how it's not looking to feel like any other specific game of its genre, just rather doing its own thing. Clint Basinger of Lazy Game Reviews, meanwhile, calls it basically Turrican and points out how it's challenging enough without being infuriating. From what I've gathered from video footage, it definitely seems like quite the enjoyable game to play, though I have no doubt that it would get solidly frustrating later on. I haven't actually played any of these games that I'm talking about today, so just kind of going with footage for that. Extending the ratio of console age against release date on both ends, Unholy Night is a fighting game for the SNES developed by Foxbat, which is composed primarily of ex-SNK employees, published by Retroism in North America, and released in 2017. The evil Catatonia, sealed away in the Dragon Palace, has broken free of his bonds and threatens to shroud the world in a dark age. This prompts the Darkness Clan to come out of hiding to seize this power for themselves while the Hunters seek to end the threat of both Catatonia and the Darkness Clan. Which side are you on? So this game is about what's to be expected of a team of XS and K. It's a pretty standard looking fighter with a slew of distinct characters. I'm not particularly well versed on the genre, but I do find the concept of having two op- uh, opposing factions fight against each other and even among each other for that matter. Uh, quite interesting. Uh, There is a fair amount of detail in the sprite work and a good variety of voice clips, but still there isn't a whole lot here to set it apart from other fighters mechanically. Finding a review for this one seems to be excessively difficult. Barely anyone seems to really know this game exists. Andrew Williams of Tech Radar seemed to be anticipating the arrival of this game despite it having a, a cast that, quote, could have been lifted right from generic anime series number 0349, 
but it hadn't come out yet at the time of the, of the article which mentions the game. Meanwhile, an article about the game on Super Fighting Wiki blasts it, accusing it of having choppy gameplay and controls, inconsistent mechanics and damage, and making it easy to stunlock your opponent into oblivion with some characters. Overall, it seems like an interesting novelty, but the more serious fighting game players will probably not get as much of a kick out of it. But none of these are as recent on as old a system or as close to home as this last one. Alfonso's Arctic Adventure, which is a platformer game for the NES developed by Spoonie Bard Productions out of Truro, Nova Scotia, and, and uh, due to be released in March or April of 2019. Based on the vaguely Homestar Runner-esque Eskimo Bob cartoon series by Thomas Guinan, Bob's sidekick Alfonso sets off on an adventure to find his missing best friend while uh, also teaming up with some other characters from the series along the way. This is a sequel to the first Ex Eskimo Bob game with similar gameplay. Alfonso and his friends must collect the fish in every level while not being outdone by the enemies and environment in their way. Unlike the first game, however, this game features a world map, secret exits for alternate paths, and hidden golden fish to find. All in all, this game features 96 levels, as many levels as Super Mario World claimed to have, and we all know it really only had 96 exits. A bit of a difference there. As with the other games, all I have to go by here is gameplay footage, and particularly pre-release gameplay footage. The game seems simple enough in concept, but definitely seems like something that's easy enough to pick up while getting quite devious later on. One would have to wonder though, why the NES? In an interview with Lynn Kerwin of Truro Daily, Guinan uh, pretty much chalked it up to nostalgia. He quotes, I think offering the cartridge is like bands doing a limited release of new, uh, mu new music on vinyl. It's nostalgic, and there's something nice about having a tangible thing. It fits in well with the library of old games. And in, in a later interview, he also mentions having a digital version available. As with the Eskimo Bob game, uh, as the Eskimo Bob game has a downloadable ROM as well as a Steam version available, so will this new game. Uh, so yeah, this is kind of an, inter an interesting thing. Um, I'm quite tempted and probably actually will um buy into it honestly and um perhaps someday in the near future we'll get to have a talk with mr guy and, and see um get to learn a little more about this um universe and um what goes on in it so um how about you guys are there any new games on old systems that you enjoy that you're looking forward to? Please let me know over on Twitter at SquareSim, S-Y-M. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU, 88.1 FM Halifax.
that was the Polish ambassador with Space Kitten rounding off the hour. And uh, I do hope that you enjoyed the show, but unfortunately we are done for today. Don't worry, I will be back, of course, next week with some more stuff for you. I have no idea what, but we'll figure it out. We always do. Somehow, we always do. So time to round things off, as I always do. Because I always do. Nice, consistent thing to say. <laughs> Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Gaming Next Month is powered by Game Informer, gameinformer.com. Segment music composed by Format, Manama Namiki, Noriyuki Kamakura, Simon Whittington, um, excuse me, Sean Daly, uh, Niflis, End, and Snare. There we go. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by The Witching Hour at 7pm and at 8.30, Anything Goes with CKDU Surprise. Comments, questions, want your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. There's also a podcast version of this show. It's available on lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim or just search for Square Wave Symphony, Square Wave is one word, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know, and I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>